Hi, I'm Pastor Roger Brown. God has gifted me the pleasure to pastor a dynamic, spirit-filled church called Life Changers Church International right here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I believe God will use this sermon to impact your life and bring His greatness out of you. Man, I hope you get something out of this that will change your life. God bless you. Your time is very important, so I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. Jesus. Change is one of the hardest things to do. We get stuck in our ways. We get stubborn. We don't want to change. We're not the same person that we was at 20 years old. We changed and didn't even know it. But when it comes to our ways and our surroundings, we don't want to budge. But he, come on somebody. He can change everything. Just close your eyes. Anna, let's, let's do this again. I sitting over and I mean, I, I had those chili bumps go plumb down my neck. Y'all remember y'all was just teenagers, just driving around, you had that kicker in the back, you know? Some of y'all 45-year-olds still got it, but. And you had your little girlfriend beside you holding her hand and, and you wanted to marry her and that song come on and you got the butterflies. I remember when me and Anna was dating, I used to call her on the phone. She had this phone and it would just light up. She had turned the ringer off because her mama wouldn't let her receive phone calls after 10 o'clock. But old Roger Brown would call her about 11, 12 o'clock and it would light up and she'd answer the phone and she'd say, hello. Not go. Hey, baby. I used to just think about her and get butterflies. Well, 26 years of marriage and she still does that. Come on, somebody. But there is something about the anointing of God. We can feel all of these things around us, but let me tell you something. When Jesus moves in, there's a Jesus high that Jack Daniels can't give you. There's a Jesus high that cocaine can't give you. Come on, somebody. It just begins to go through. So close your eyes just for a minute. Pastor Anna.
Father, have your way in this place. Lord, take every agenda that we might have had. God, remove it tonight. Whatever plans we think we made, show us you. Tonight, God, we give everything over to you. Tonight, God, teach us to not teach us to hear you. We won't focus on our mistakes. Tonight we won't focus on our struggle. We won't focus on he said, she said. We won't focus on what everybody else thinks. Tonight we want the rainbow word. We want you. You speak. <laughs> you speak. Lord, I read in your word where the satyrian came to Jesus. And he was going to his daughter and he said, Sir, you don't have to come. I've watched you. He said, If you just speak the word, my daughter will be healed. I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus is going to speak a word. I don't care how callous you are. I don't care how hard-hearted you are. And I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe somebody driving a truck. You're sitting in a truck stop right now. And you'll listen to this little old Indian preacher. I'm here to tell you something right now. That my God is the living God. And I'm telling you, he is the author and the finisher of your faith. And I don't care what plans that the devil made for you. I'm here to tell you that God's bigger than any mistake. He's bigger than any lie. He's bigger than any curse. Ah! He's a big God. He ain't some Mickey Mouse God sitting over in a corner hoping somebody hears. When he speaks, mountains tremble. When he speaks, lives change. When he speaks, things get created. Trees grow. Mountains raise up. Animals come. But there's one thing that God took his time, and that's with you. The Bible said he didn't speak you, but he created you. He stepped down in the garden. My God, I'm about to preach. He stepped down in the garden, and the only thing he didn't speak was man but the Bible said he created man with his own hands and then breathed life into him and I want you to know it was in that garden when he created man and I'm here to tell you right now it was in the garden when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane that Satan knew God created man in the garden I'm going to destroy man in the garden but Jesus defeated him and I need to tell somebody right now it was the dirt of the garden and my friend if I'm not wrong we are made out of dirt so you're looking at a garden all over this place God has created you even in your mistakes Woo. why are you screaming because I'm excited 
Hallelujah. I was screaming at a bar. I was screaming at a Kansas City game. It's time. This thing's about to change. It's about to change. Praise God. Father, have your way in this place. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you ain't getting out of it. You're already here. Just tell him, just, just, just tell him, Cody, just tell him, just tell him, say, they already see your motorcycle. They know you're here. Just tell him, tell him, they already know we're Pentecostal church. So just get ready. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Hallelujah. Woo. Are y'all ready for this tonight? Ain't God good? Amen. We're going to take up a seed offering tonight. You know, I tell people all the time, and I, and it's the truth because it's the word of God. You know, your tithe, that's the tenth. That's the, that's the covering. And that's the thing. But see, your tithe didn't bring you your blessings. The Bible says that the tithe, God would rebuke the devourer for your sake. But your blessing comes in the seed tonight. And it's not about how much you give. It's the heart when you give. So tonight as you begin to give, just let your heart begin to open up. Amen. Because God can take whatever amount that you give, but as a cheerful giver, God blesses. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you look blessed. Whew. Father, we ask you to bless this offering tonight, this seed offering, as we sow this into the ground. Lord, cover it. Begin to move on it. Father, speak to it. Cause it to grow. You are the Lord of the harvest. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may come at this time and give. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Hey, if you got your, your phone, smartphone, <clears throat> go ahead and pull it out. And if you find the Life Changes page tonight, just go ahead and share it. You don't even know what I'm going to say yet. Some of you are thinking, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know if I want to share this. But I believe that God's going to speak tonight. Amen. And while I was praying today, uh, we're still on the series, Revival Rebirth. And ever so often, there's, there's a rebirth that happens in the generations, and God begins to move, and he rebirths revival. Now, the revival, as God began to move, or the revival that we call the revival, 
we read it in the book of Acts. But on many occasions throughout years and the process and preachers and generations, we have what we call these revivalists who come along. Smith Wigglesworth was a, was a huge revivalist. And at the age of 48 years old, he followed his wife, which was a Baptist preacher. At the age of 48 years old, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And he was traveling and following her, and she in turn travels and follows him. And it's recorded that he raised over 20 men from the dead. Rod Parsley used to preach about him. He called him the two-fisted plumber. He couldn't speak very well. He was from England, and so his English was really broke up, and it was hard to understand at times. But when the anointing began to flow, how many knows that's a universal language? Amen. It doesn't matter whether you're black, whether you're white. It doesn't matter whether you're Indian, whether you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter. I know, the, I, I, I know society today is, is trying to divide us. It's trying to make us think that it's been black against white, but they're a lie. God has created us all. But there is a, a, a universal language, the anointing, and it comes in and it begins to stir. And as I was praying about this, uh, I come across this, across this scripture, and, uh, and God gave me the title. It said, Born to Raise Hell. Look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, you was born to raise hell. See, some of you sitting in there tonight, and you didn't know that your mama was a prophet, but she was. Because when she walked into the room, she said, Boy, you ain't going to raise hell. And this word, R-A-Z-E, raise, that's where the word razor comes from, actually. Greek word razor. Have you seen them commercials where they talk about the razor and said this razor is, is, is so unique and so good that it gets underneath the skin and raises the hair up and cuts it off. That's where this word raise, razor comes from, this word. And it means to annihilate. And whether you know it or not, you was born to annihilate hell. But I like this word, raise. Woo. I got that Oklahoma draw when I said, I was born to raise hell. <laughs> and the enemy is scared of what you know. And you're walking around and don't even uh, uh, put in what you know. Because knowledge is powerful. That's why they say that reading books is one of the most important things that you'll do. And in school, they couldn't get me to do a book report for nothing. I didn't want, I wanted to watch the movie. Oh, I, is there a movie? But knowledge is very powerful. Because when you get to know something, everything else changes. When you just hear about something, yeah, it's all great. But when you know it, you fight for it. You live by it. You live with it. And so that's why faith is not what we see, it's what we know. I don't believe in Jesus by what I see. I believe in Jesus by what I know. And so faith is not just, just seeing it happen. Faith is knowing that it will happen before it ever shows up. The power of faith, the same faith that raised Jesus from the dead is the same faith that saved you. And the same faith that saved you is the same faith that you got to use on everything in your life. 
You can't just come to church and just sit here in church and just say, well, I hope the preacher preaches a good sermon because I can tell you right now I've never preached a bad one. <laughs> According to my wife. <laughs> but when we begin to chase God, see, 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 when you chase God, you will wind up in places that you didn't expect to be in. Some of you right now are either in a position that you didn't think you would be in or you're facing a giant that you didn't think that you would ever face. But at the same time, if God called you to it, he'll bring you through it. Woo! So we got to know and understand that the thing inside of you, God is pulling out of you. If we can go to Daniel chapter 6, verse number 3. Let's pull that up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach out of the New King James Version. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 3. Y'all remember Daniel? One in the lion's den. You know, they said, hey, you know, if you pray, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. So he just quit. He just stopped prayer meeting. Y'all remember that? He was scared to pray. Oh, no. He did pray, didn't he? They said, if you pray, we're going to come in and we're going to put you into the lion's den. So he decided to get a secret group of guys over. Oh, no, no, that wasn't it. Oh, I remember. He kicked the windows open and knelt down in front of the courtyard because they were standing around about noontime because that's when he prayed. And they watched him like clockwork. Let me tell you something right now. You may think that coming to church on, th on Sundays and on Thursdays uh, is a great thing, but let me tell you something. There's more God than just four hours a week. And people are watching you. They are watching you. And he knew they was watching him, but he still yet. He kicked the windows open. He knelt down at noon, and I think this time he prayed louder than he ever prayed. And so they begin to search in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 3. The Bible said, then this Daniel, I like, I like how it says that, this Daniel. No, not, not the counterfeit Daniel. Come on, somebody. But the real Daniel. With the real Christian. Come on now. Not just the T-shirt wearing Christian or the Sturgis shirt wearing, but the real biker. See, then this Daniel, the Daniel, the real Daniel, the one that didn't run from nobody, then this Daniel distinguished himself above all governors and the satraps, whatever that is, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Woo. Go with me real quick to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to jump over here and I'm going to read this scripture and I'm going to preach. Can I do that? Stand to your feet for this and I like this one. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is for you. Beloved. Do not think strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though 
some strange thing happen to you. But rejoice to, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Before you sit down, let me explain exceeding. This word exceeding. Now, a lot of times I don't teach priests, but tonight I feel the teach come on. Listen, this word exceeding means to go beyond your beyond. But unto him who can do all things, whew, this exceeding goes beyond what you can think. It goes beyond what you can throw. As far as you can throw, exceeding goes beyond that. And this is the kind of joy that he said was going to come through a trial. It was going to come past the new joy of getting a new car because it's fun until 30 days you got to make the payment. It goes past that. I've never lost the joy in my Harley, though. I don't care. I'll pay it. I'll pay it every month. It goes past. It goes past. And he says, but you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Now, Father, Lord, let me preach this word like you gave it to me in my prayer chambers. Father, let every, every lie that's been told, let it fall down and fall off the people right now in the name of Jesus. Every division spirit that's trying to divide, Lord, every lie that's been conjured up, God, every hurt, Lord, every, every betrayal, Heavenly Father, Lord, every excuse to come up, Lord, we're trying to cover up. I declare now it has to fall. Heavenly Father, Lord, take the keys of joy and take the handcuffs off of them and unlock them today right now Lord in the name of Jesus and let the shackles fall and let them be free to hear your word in Jesus name everybody said amen, amen. you may be seated <clears throat> now it's Thursday night and I'm not going to hold you long but I don't really need to hold you long the anointing has already done so much I could really drop the mic and walk out of here today it has already been here it's done it's stirred up Everything that's ever been against you right now, I feel that God has released and begin to move. But I spent too long in prayer to just show up and leave. So let me tell you that there's one devil that we're fighting right now that is a big devil. And it's a devil of discouragement. And it is hitting this world. It don't care if you're black. It don't care if you're white. It don't care if you're Hispanic. It don't care if you're short. It don't care if you're tall. It don't care if you're rich. It don't care if you're poor. It don't care if you're in between. It don't care if you're Baptist. It don't care if you're Pentecostal. It don't care if you're Catholic. It is not coming because what you are is coming because this is the time for it to be released. This is the time of discouragement because when we get discouraged, then we make wrong decisions and we make bad decisions. And I need to tell somebody in here that there is such a thing called the ministry of discouragement that God will allow and minister to you in a time of being discouraged but we can't give up and we can't stop and we can't walk away we got to keep on walking we got to keep on stepping come on somebody the Bible said that the steps of a good man are ordered by God and so therefore whether I'm discouraged or whether I'm not my job is not to look around beside me but to have faith in God and keep stepping and yes, my God is to keep stepping with him. But the enemy's going to come and discourage you. And he's after your future. 
He's not after your house. He's not after your wife. He's not after your husband. He's after that calling inside of every one of you. He can't use your house. He can't drive your Cadillac. You're the vehicle that he rides in. He wants to ride in you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you, and he wants to use you when you're discouraged because discouraged, it doesn't matter. Discouragement can walk in them doors with a smile on and still be discouraged. Discouraged can come into the bank with a million dollars and put his feet down in a jacuzzi and still be discouraged. I'm here to tell you right now, it doesn't matter where you are or where you face. Discouragement comes in so many different ways, and if we get our minds on discouragement, we may Make decisions against our future. And when you're discouraged, you can't see ahead of you. All you can see is what's happening. And we want to dwell on what's happening. And you need to get past what's happening. Again, the Greek, the Greek work, Greek root word for happenings uh, happening uh, is really happiness and we want happiness uh, to happen while we're now it's what's happening now well I ain't happy preacher well shut up and keep moving Well, I, I woke up this morning and I, I just, I, I'm just absolutely, I don't like it. Well, what if you was in Afghanistan and the last American plane flew out of sight and you was left, but you ain't there, you're here. I say you better stand up and be happy no matter what because God is still fighting for you and he's never left you and he's never walked away from you even in your crazy stage. You ever get those crazy eyes? Someone says, well, after a fifth of, well. And the thing that's inside of you is an excellent spirit. The only way to get the excellency out of you. The Bible says in, in, in Psalms 119 and verse 80, and it talks and a, a very explicit deal here, and it just shows up, and I preached this. I used to preach this message years ago on the evangelistic field. And it says, and David cries out, and he says, I feel like a bottle in the smoke. But, Lord, I don't walk away from your statues. He said, I feel like a bottle in the smoke. Years ago, that intrigued me. Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Matter of fact, if you open up your Bible, 100, Psalms 119 is the very middle of your Bible. From page to page. And right there, 100 and something verses, I'm getting down to 80, and I read, and it says, I feel like a bottle in the smoke. I said, Lord, what's David talking about? Here's what he's talking about because, because back then when they wanted something to drink out of, they didn't go to Walmart or Target and buy a cup. They had to make their own pottery. But the best pottery was those that was lined in goat skin. 
Because, see, you could take the goat and you could slay him and you could take that skin and, and, and you, you could do whatever you do with it. I don't know. I'm not that cowboy, praise God. But but you could take it and, and, and you could uh, put it into a shed and, and on the other side, you could build a fire and you could take a pipe and you could put it underground and bring it all over and you can build this fire over here and the fire would create the smoke and the smoke would come out into the dark shed and it would fill that dark shed. Now you couldn't let no light in on it because if you did then you messed it up. It had to be pitch black. You couldn't see nothing. And you couldn't just put it in there for an hour or two. It took days and sometimes weeks depending on how big of a cup you wanted. I don't know about you but I'm about to run all over this place. How big a cup are you tonight? How big a cup do you think you are that Jesus can pour out of you? Are you an eight ounce cup or are you the big gulp? I dare to say that the big bigger cup you are, then the longer you will have to stay in a... And we're trying to hurry the process up. Lord, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to rob my bike. And, Lord, I'm just going to uh, just, just give Roger a T-shirt and, 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 and just, just do whatever you want to do. Okay, Lord, I'm done. My God, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. You told me to say that. <laughs> and God said you was born to annihilate hell. But you want to do it on a video game. Or you want to read about it. And David said, I feel like a bottle in the smoke. And why in that dark place, when it was time, that taskmaster would come by and open up that door. And he would pull that vessel out that had been sitting in the dark, smoky, can't breathe, can't see. And he would pull it out. He would look at it and examine it. But how he could tell the most was the smelling of it. Because, see, you couldn't do it with sheepskin. You couldn't do it with oxen skin. It had to be done with goat skin. And when the goat was gone, my God, I'm about to run now. When the goat was gone, it's ready. Y'all look at me like I fell off a turnip truck. Y'all thinking, my God, he's been reading my text. Been reading my email. Somebody's been talking to him. He's been calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to do something for God, but we want to go through the fast food. We, 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 we want something from God, but we want it now. 
I've been through too much. I can't go through this anymore. You just don't understand what they did to me. I can't forgive them. Honey, let me tell you something. If you haven't forgiven them 490 times in a day, then you better get back to it because that's what the Word of God says. And we got to step into a place and the enemy's trying to discourage you and God's trying to get you to raise hell. And the enemy wants you to get discouraged and God said raise hell. The enemy says get discouraged and God says raise hell. The enemy says nobody likes you. You can't do it. And God said raise hell anyway. The enemy says well nobody believes in my ministry. And God said raise hell anyway. And the enemy says well, well nobody likes how I do it. And God said raise hell anyway. We ain't hell raisers. <laughs> I just couldn't wait to say that in church. <laughs> Feel like a man now. Bunch of hell raisers. We're discouraged. We're barely getting by. We're blaming everybody for everything that we're feeling. And you know what I feel about that. You can't give somebody that much power over your life to determine whether you're going to be mad or sad or glad. That's too much power to give to anybody. You're in control of your own feelings. And get up and act like a man. Act like a woman. And start raising hell. <laughs> Trying to get everybody believing a dream. In a ministry, 26 years of doing this, there wasn't a whole lot of people that did believe in it. But the Bible said all I needed was two or three. We spent a lifetime must say I love the preacher. We spend a lifetime of being the harlot for the church and only doing it for either money or notoriety. Well, if they're just not going to notice me over there, ain't going to do it. Well, I can't go over and preach if it ain't this much money. And we ain't nothing but prostitutes for the church. And we better stand up and ask God to forgive us because he said to go out and don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't worry about God, what you got on. Don't worry about what they give you. Just know I called you. He said many are called, but few are chosen. And I'm here to tell you right now if you're going to be in this fight, if you're going to be in this battle round, if you're going to be in the last day's fight, you're going to have to know how to stand up every morning and know what it means to raise hell and to annihilate hell and to move it out of your way and too many people are trying to look at it in other directions. Well, I seen on Facebook and they told me that this is how you grow a church. <laughs> Pastor, how did you do it? I don't know. Honestly, I can't write a book about how to grow a church because I can't grow a church. All I can do is be a vessel for God. And all I can do is know that when discouragement comes my way, I got to move it out of the way. He says, beloved, be not concerned about this fiery trial which is to try you. Listen to what he said, which is to try you. 
There's one scripture he said that the trying, uh, that the trial of your faith. See, years ago, I heard somebody preach that it was the trying of your faith until I read the word for myself. He doesn't say the trying of your faith. It said the trial of your faith. Did you know you get up every morning and then the courts of hell put you on trial? And this is what they're saying. He ain't really saved. He says he is, but he ain't. He said a cuss word last week. I heard him. They was thinking things. Oh, I seen the text. I seen the email. No, no, no. They ain't saved. And he puts you on trial every day for things that goes on. And, 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 and he accuses you. The Bible said he's accuser of the brother. And he runs around every day and he accuses you. And he puts you on trial because it's your faith. Your faith is on trial. You ain't on trial because you come to church for three Sundays in a row. You ain't on trial because you paid your tithe for a year. You're on trial because your faith is exceeding everything else in your life. You're on trial because you didn't lose your mind with a breakdown. You're on trial because because you didn't die in the car wreck. You're still living. You ain't on trial. Anything other than your faith has brought you to the next level. And the enemy's looking. And he's lurking. And he's waiting until you get wore out. You want people to get divorced? <laughs> They don't really get divorced because they don't love each other. They get divorced because they've lost interest. Me and my wife, 12 years or 13 years ago, was on the road to divorce. She went one way and I went the other way. Preaching, by the way, pastor of the church, very successful church. 300 plus in our church, still growing. And we lost interest in one another. We still loved each other. But we lost interest. And I'm going to say this while I got your attention. You can come to church and still love God. And be mad at the world because, 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 praise God, they're, 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 they're kneeling and not standing. And be mad at the world because they say you got to take the COVID shot and they say you don't. Be mad at the world because you got to wear a mask or you don't. And you can still come to church and love God but lose interest. And honey, that's a sad place to be in. Because then you just be a puppet for religion and when you lose interest in God then nothing changes in your life I can tell you right now there ain't nobody in hell didn't believe in God <laughs> They ain't no atheists in hell. They ain't. The thing about it is that God wants us to keep stepping and we just keep just standing still. We want to get on the stage and shout. And God says, but shout on the step. Shout on the step before you get here. 
You got to keep stepping. It's a process to knowing where you are going. Everything in your life is a process. It doesn't just happen. I can tell you right now, it does not just happen. You don't just walk in there and say, I want a cake, and poof, a cake shows up. It takes flour, it takes eggs, and then whatever else, and a grease pan. And then you put it in the oven, in about 45 minutes of the heat, then you get to eat it. I'm here to tell you something right now. You're going to take some heat sometimes. You're going to take some stuff sometimes. Come on, Christians. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But it's a process. But if I go and skip the process, I can't eat the flour by itself because it ain't good. And I'm not eating raw eggs by itself. What if I take the eggs and the flour and all that and just take them one scoop at a time and shake it all up and say, hmm, I got a cake. Honey, it don't work that way. But when you put it together, there is a process. And after the heat of the fire, then it's good. Y'all like my shape? I can't hula hoop for nothing. I am too white for that. I can't do it. Listen. Pastor Andy, come to piano, please. Your life is a process. It's broke up in stages. It's broke up in stages. And there are things that you're going to go through in this process. Some of it's going to be bitter. And some of it you're going to be mad at yourself. And that's what the enemy's banking on. Because that's where he pulls discouragement in over. And he gets you discouraged. And if he can keep you discouraged long enough you'll get bitter instead of better. And he wants you to hate every process of your life. He wants you to get out mad at the world. He wants you to go to church and smile at everybody in church, but I hate them anyhow. He wants you to tell your wife or your husband you love them and hug them, but inside, be mad and discouraged. He wants you to go to work and be the highest paid person in your company, but be mad. All of our lives, our whole family's been blessed. Both of my boys on the fire department. Terrence said the other day, he showed up and somebody said, you brown boys, I'm gonna go start me a trucking company and get me a church, because y'all got it all. Tanner said, start a trucking company, but don't start no church. Don't do that. You don't know how many knives you gotta pull out of your back. You know how many people in the neighborhood that you got to fight over because your church went from nothing to something. 
but they don't know the hours that you stayed and prayed. I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't just open up my Bible and read a scripture and get up here and preach to you tonight. I'm telling you right now that the anointing only comes through prayer. I can read a scripture and have knowledge, but the anointing comes through prayer, and that's why Jesus prayed in the garden, because he needed the anointing, and he prayed so hard that the, the, the blood became like sweat upon his brow, and if you ever want the anointing, you got to have a personal relationship to God. you got to tell him your stuff. You got to pray because praying brings the anointing. And if it was that easy, then we would all do it all the time. Now, folding your arms and saying, okay, God, I just don't understand this. That ain't praying, that's whining. That's whining. Praying is when you fall down. And you say, I don't care if I am the last of the Mohegans. I'm going to do it anyhow. I'm going to fall to my knees. I'm going to praise you if I lose everything. I'm going to praise you no matter what. I'm going to glorify you if I don't have nothing else. I'm going to glorify you if I lose every friend on Facebook. I'm going to glorify you if nobody else understands where I'm going through. I'm going to glorify you no matter what it looks like. Don't you know that's what Job did? They come to him and said, Job, you ain't got no kids no more. Job, you ain't got no house no more. Job, your wife don't like you no more. And he said, yea, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. And I'm here to tell you right now that the slaying part of it is where we have mistaken that God doesn't like us. But the devil's lying. Because when God cuts us or prunes us, it's so new growth can come. You mark my words. You will be everything that God said you would be. And there ain't nobody around that can point their finger or judge anything. And you hear me right now, Mama. Nobody else understands why you fight like this for him, but you're supposed to. So you keep doing it. <laughs> I don't want friends who's fans of my preaching. I want friends that when I've fallen off the truck and nobody else believes in me to stop and pick me up and stay where I am until I get better. I need to tell you something. This world has lost that train of thought. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's to get them before they get you. But you got to stand in the middle of it and raise hell and find hell and steal go through it. My God, stand to your feet and give my God a hand clap. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Just stay with me just for a minute. Sang it, Pastor Anna. I am a river. 
this verse right here. This is it right here. room tonight and you walked in here and you're praying for God to move you where he wants you to stay or you're praying for God to keep you when he wants you to move but the problem is you're discouraged and you can't distinguish whether should I stay or whether should I go and whether it's your marriage whether it's your job or it's your relationship whether it's your church if you're discouraged you can't make right decisions and God wants the excellent spirit to come out of you and the enemy's depending on you to see nothing but the fiery trial. But God said he's going to give you an exceeding joy. 
See, Joey isn't happy because I got the new car. Because 30 days from now, my happiness changed. But Joey is even when I've lost everything that I have, the Bible says that God be for me, who can be against me. Joy is true. It's the joy of the Lord. The reason why the enemy don't want you to be joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's your strength. He don't want you to be strong. He wants you to be weak-minded. And today, in this place, if you're in here and you say, Preacher, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior, I'm going to give you an invitation. Now, maybe you got saved while you was young. Maybe you got saved in the middle of your life. Maybe you got saved when you went through the worst crisis of your life. I don't know. A lot of people got saved when they got COVID. But the enemies discouraged you. And I'm not sitting up here saying you're not saved, but I'm telling you, you're not living the full potential of your salvation. You're just telling people that you love God and you do love God. But the enemy's got you discouraged and there's too much stuff got the hold on you. It's too many lines. I can't. I can't quit this. And on the count of three, whoever you are, male, female, young boy, young man, young girl, young woman, whoever you are, all over this place. Preacher, I want to dedicate and give my life to God tonight. Just raise your hand and wave it at me. Anybody on this in this room, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. My God, I see it, I see it.